Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Mediator podcast, News and Views from Jane Gunn and Guests. In this episode, I speak with Deborah Henley, who helps leaders to better understand who they are and what drives them, so that they can craft their own narrative and tell their own leadership story in order to connect and engage with others. She does this using her background in clinical and business psychology, hypnotherapy and art. Welcome, Deborah Henley. Hello, Jane. How are you? Very good. Thank you. So, Deborah, just for context, we're speaking in, I think it's the 21st of June in 2021, depending on when people might listen to this. And it's such a pleasure to to have you on the podcast. So tell us a little bit about your background, uh, the work that you do, and in particular, where your passion for that comes from. Mm, Well, my, my passion is around human connection and having the courage to connect with people from from our own truth, you know, being truthful as leaders, as thought leaders, and just as human beings and connecting with one another without there being sort of artifice or a persona. And I think that passion came from um, growing up, I went to at least eight different schools. Um, My parents moved, each moved house, they got separated when I was 11, and each moved house multiple times. So I was always changing. And um, as as a result, I was constantly having to fit in with new groups of people. And I think on the plus side, that made me really adaptable and sort of agreeable and affable (laughs) and other things beginning with A, amiable and able to (laughs) fit in. But what it also did, I think, was it meant that I would um, conform or ensure that I did fit in by hiding elements of myself. So I I grew up in Hong Kong and I was the sort of expat kid that turned up. I ended up at a fairly strict all girls boarding school in the Dorset countryside. Mm -hmm. And um, I just felt like I was a completely different person with different sort of reference points. But I I hid that and just tried to get along. And I think I've that same thing has happened throughout my working environment. But it's been very useful because, you know, I've I worked in the film industry, first of all, and I would join a crew um, and have to fit in. And these would be short projects. Um, and I could sort of join with a lot of people, work on a project for three months and then it would be finished. And in the same way, I could join a say I've done a lot of sailing across the Atlantic and the Pacific and I can jump on a boat and and fit in. Those things have been great. And also doing training courses and workshops with different groups of people. Um, But I realized after a while that I was sort of wearing a mask all the time and not just one to protect me from the coronavirus. Yes, but, you know, just one that um, I just always felt as though it wasn't OK to, to be me. It's fascinating that you say this, Deborah, because I've just come back from my mastermind group today. And one of the things we were talking about and we talk about as speakers is that um, this fact that death comes third, that, you know, what people fear most uh, or one of the things people fear most is is standing up and speaking in front of people. And the other thing that people fear a lot is social exclusion and I know that from my work with conflict you know that we don't want to one of the things that makes us feel conflicted is taking off that mask or being real or doing something that makes us stand out 
and be different. Uh, so I wonder, you know, what you feel about that or what lessons you've learned about, about that power of being different. Yes, I think that urge to belong is so powerful. And yet we, we're not really belonging if we're not being ourselves anyway, because um, there's, there's an expression I heard, which is better to be hated for who you are than loved for who you are not. And I think if you belong because you are putting forward a false identity, you don't really belong and you never really feel as though you're part of things. Mm. But if you belong by being different, you know, if you're included and you're able to express who you are in a different way, then, you know, you, you really do feel a great sense of belonging. So I think, you know, Society today is so multicultural. Most organisations have people from all sorts of different countries, religions, gender orientations, and these sort of monocultures are no longer acceptable. So it's really important that people don't feel they have to conform to an identity where they never feel they belong. Instead, it's okay for everybody to express their truth. And, and through my work, um, I, I've written a book called Your Leadership Story, and it's very much about really understanding our own personal narrative and being able to share that in a way that connects with other people. That's fascinating. So how do you, Deborah, actually get people to share that narrative? Presumably you have some tools or some ways of getting people to begin to explore their truth from this perspective of, of themselves at work or as leaders. Well, I started off my um, career in psychotherapy and I used to work with people in addiction recovery. Mm. And there was a lot of, there, there were people in, in that environment becoming really honest with themselves because it was the only way forward. People who had been in denial for, for a very long time and it wasn't working anymore. Mm. Um, and, in, and I realized that when I made the tr transition into the city, I went to work in one of the big four um, in marketing and relationship development, um, I realized that the same thing was happening in corporate environments where people weren't um, were using the same persona. So I, I do encourage people to be vulnerable. Um, and I think, I think the way I do it really is having to sell in the benefit of doing it, sell in the benefit of, of starting to open up. And it really has to come from leaders at the top. Mm. Um, where there's less at stake, where you can afford to say, I'm not this sort of perfect thing. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly flawed. I'm trying to think if there's anything particular that, that I do. I mean, there, there's a whole um, process where I, I take people through a set of steps where they, they define their sort of core message and their real calling. And most of the time, our calling, the thing that we really want to share with other people is to serve both them and really ourselves. It's our life mission. So, you know, for, for me, it is about sharing my truth in a way, but enabling other people to share their truth as well. Yes. To not to not hide, but to be able to, to put it out there. Um, and so everybody sort of has something that's really important to them, and it's probably a lifelong journey. I agree. Yes, for many people, it's a lifelong journey. And, and what's interesting is, you know, at what stage of their life do they either recognise that or recognise it to the degree that they can embrace it, I suppose. 
which is yeah. is a different thing, isn't it? Really, you know, it might be a calling that's you know that's hidden, and and you carry on working in the bank or whatever you're doing, and then gradually, you know, you realise that that's not where your passion is, and and that your truth is somewhere else, really. I think most of the time it's uh, what would you like to, you know, the question would be what would you like to do for other people? What do you wish um, they understood? And then you can quite quickly go to what do you wish you had understood or known as a younger version of you? Um, Because that's the person we always are looking to help. But the really exciting messages and callings are the ones where we kind of go, what is it I still need to learn now? What is it that's an ongoing challenge day to day oh fantastic i you know there's so there's so much i think that we you know we never stop learning this idea that you finish school or university and you're done is completely not true is it really and i i know i've got so much more to learn than there is time really well it's absolutely the beginning isn't it because going through school and university and things are are, are all part of the train track in a way it's very difficult to think for ourselves when we're on that journey and then even um you know people go through the milk round and corporate recruitment it can kind of put it off even further i used to work with um, a big organization on during the graduate recruitment and the induction stage and then and they'd bring in all these wonderful bright young things and then i'd work with them three or four years later and the light will, had gone out in some of their mm. eyes and they you know they'd lost that wonderful spirit and energy and you know they had so much that they wanted to do but they'd had to conform and adapt and fit into what was required in their competency framework to to climb up the ranks. I'm fascinated by this now Deborah and one of the things I wanted to ask you is kind of what you know what do you make of the times we're in now and you know yes we're talking in a time where we've had to deal with a pandemic but we are also talking about a time where young people are experiencing the challenge in thinking for themselves and you know how do we move through the times we're in where you know all of us this year have had to conform to a certain extent so uh, but we also need to think for ourselves (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and young people in particular and I think for me this is a particular challenge you know being someone as a lawyer a mediator who encourages people to think and make their own decisions how do we encourage that, do you think, in, in, in the times we're in, the society we live in? Yes, it's it, it's very challenging for people who, well, young people, but for all of us, um, not just because there are sort of huge corporations which absorb people and suck people in, and it's a bit like joining the Borg, but society as a whole, I don't know whether you know what the Borg is, it's a reference to Star Trek. Yes. And they, yeah, and their mantra is you will be assimilated there is no option you will be assimilated and mm. in the same way you know society and culture seems to do that but I think even more pervasive perhaps is uh, the way that social media does the same thing where yeah, um, yeah people everybody manages their Instagram profile or their Facebook profile and you know dating is done through a a managed profile jobs are sought and achieved through our profile and this front that we all have to put out in in front of us um, makes it harder than ever to put ourselves forward in in that flawed vulnerable human way 
Mm. We want to look polished and perfect and and wonderful and uh, unsurprisingly. And it's just, I I think it's, it takes a lot of um, courage for anybody, a young person or, or somebody longer in the tooth to, to, to put themselves forward in a, in a, in a way that seems a little unusual or goes against the grain or um, challenges the norms or the status quo or rocks the boat, um, um, you know, and, but, but, you know, there are people like Greta Thunberg, who's, who's been incredible, you know, to just, I think one of the, re- she's fascinating. She's somebody who isn't doing it for herself, you know, isn't speaking out for herself, but for society and obviously for the, the future of the planet, but she speaks in, in a quiet way and she's surprised Mm. by the attention she gets mm. and it's because she's kept things very simple and she's just speaking her truth and she she doesn't perhaps know how to conform and adapt and, and play a role um she's just very simply se- seeing and saying things as she sees them so that was another question I was going to ask you, Deborah. And I think Greta Thunberg is a great example of how do we as individuals lead in the times we're in? You know, we can look for, uh, and I suspect we're not always going to find leaders who are going to lead us through these times, whether those be political or corporate leaders. But my sense is that we need to find the leader within ourselves. And from what you're saying, you know, there's a, a truth and vulnerability and an authenticity that we also need to find that helps us, uh, you know, to be the leader that we are, to find our own way through in, in times of challenge. Mm, I really agree with what you said there about finding the leader within ourselves, because I really don't think we can, we are truly leading anybody else mm. until we're leading ourselves, until we yeah think for ourselves or understand our own perspective or viewpoint or have assimilated it and and assessed um, all the influences that we have around us mm. and made our own decision about them. And it is very hard. It's hard when there are these, these huge swathes of influence and media and mm. ideas being, you know, put upon us, the information overload and the points of view that are forced upon us. Mm. just to sort of step back and go, well, what do I think about this? Yeah. What's my perspective? Yeah. Um, but interesting, uh, interestingly, I, I did quite a lot of work with um, combating cult mind control um, in the past. I trained as a clinical hypnotherapist mm. and one of my clients was um, getting absorbed into a something that looked to me like a cult. I looked it all up and it it looked a little bit worrying. So I started to explore the whole idea. And she said to me, what's the difference between what I'm getting involved in and what you do Mm -hmm. as a hypnotherapist? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a very interesting question, you know, and um, at the root of coming out of cult mind control is the ability to assess what's being said around you and, and verify it for yourself. Do I really want to say, uh, do I really want to turn against my family? Does that feel mm. right? Mm. Do I really want to, you know, trust everything this person says? Fascinating. Um, and lead, yes, and leading ourselves is is not just perhaps following one person. What well, it isn't following one person blindly. Yeah. Thinking for ourselves, but where we agree with people, we can um, 
fold into that. I haven't got the answers to a lot of these questions. I, 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 can I don't just think you that. should have, Deborah. Um, and I don't think we need the answers. I think what we need, actually, in the times we're in is more questions. And I think that's what I'm getting from you and what I think uh, from my background as a lawyer and a mediator. You know, what we do, what I encourage people to do is in terms of thinking, ask questions, be totally curious, weigh up the evidence, think what is the evidence, where does it come from, you know, gather lots of evidence. That's what we do as lawyers. Then we weigh it up, we balance it out. We say, well, this person thinks that and this person thinks that and we have tests for it, we have criteria for it. And at the end of the day, and then you think about, well, what does my uh what does my instinct tell me mm. what does my gut tell me you know what do, what and so all of these things and you know and then uh thinking back to well you know what what has the cultures that i've experienced what how are they and so there's an awful lot to dig deep into to say well why do i think something in a particular way well that's you know it's a big question because it goes back a long way and it goes deep a long way and if you genuinely want to do this work about leading yourself, you've got to do all that work about digging and exploring and seeing where does all of that come from, haven't you? Yes, I, I love the fact that you've talked about the process of, um, you know, in the legal profession, you, you'd be weighing one set of evidence up and then another set of evidence. And that's all a very cognitive process. And yet, ultimately, you say, and then you have to ask your instinct what feels right. Um, and and in the end, it's not a cognitive thing. It's it it's transcended by something so much more complex that we perhaps can't even we we can't even put our finger on it. But it's that part of us. I mean, what is our instinct? It's perhaps that part of us that is able to take information from so many quarters um, and then just sort of pull it all together and mix it around in the pot, and you come out with something something new and different that you know could never be done justice. Uh, too, by just a rational argument. I was reflecting the other day how my daughter, when she had to make a decision about which university to go to, uh, and she wanted to make that decision on her own, she sort of locked herself in a bedroom for two days just to sort of, you know, don't, you know, I don't want family members to influence me. I just want to sit with this and think it all through. And she did think it through both logically, but also from you know, again, an instinctive point of view. And then she emerged and said, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, I think it was right that we gave her the freedom to do that, or I hope we did, but uh, also that she went through that process, which took several days, it wasn't just, well, I think this and I think that, you know, I've got to sit with it and I've got to explore why I think these things. And she did come out and say, this is why I've made that decision. I've decided and this is it. And I thought, fantastic. <laughs> well, it's like all great salespeople, you know, somebody who sells a car knows that nobody ever buys a car for ra rational reasons. They buy it because, uh, you know, they want to look like James Bond or they they really want a particular type of car. And then they go and rationalise afterwards. Well, it's got Vorsprung Dork te Technique. <laughs> <laughs> so we must get it. It makes absolute sense. That's because that's where you have to rationalise it for your friends and family. But in your heart, it was a different reason altogether. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Deborah, I, I wonder then, you know, if we if we do look for for people that you and and, and there may not be people we we know, but if you're looking and you've mentioned Greta Thunberg, inspiring leaders, um, 
you know, who are you finding to be inspiring you these days in terms of this leadership capability, real leadership? Well, I loved something I heard from Jacinta Ardern. She seems to have been um, doing all sorts of wonderful things, the premier of New Zealand. Um, But she said the other day, um, I don't, I I can't quote her exactly because I can't remember what she said, but it's something along the lines of, I it's not necessary for politics to be all about posturing and um, you know, who's the strongest there, there is a place for kindness yes. and um, friendship within, within politics. It doesn't have to be a, a battle. It doesn't have to be a conflict. I mean, essentially she's sort of saying it doesn't have to be, I win and you lose. Yes. Well, you I can completely agree with that. Uh, and I also do admire her leadership style and the fact that she's been more authentic than some or more vulnerable than some, perhaps. Mm. Um, so, so Deborah, what would, a, what would a final message? I've loved this conversation and, and the idea that, uh, you know, we, we are coming back to perhaps a time where we look within ourselves for leadership and that that involves vulnerability and authenticity and being genuine with ourselves but uh, and also that that requires some quite deep thinking to get there you know it isn't just who we are it's who we really are on the inside that we've got to find mm. um so who I'm we not- really are sorry who we really are and I think combined with who we aspire to be I think there's always that yes. movement forward you know as, as yes. uh, Michelle Obama put in her book Becoming well, she had that wonderful expression of becoming. It's not who we are now, it's who we aspire and we're moving towards all the time. And I think that that momentum is really important in that sort of journey. Yes, I like that. Um, exactly. So, yes, finding out who we are and then, you know, what's what's the next step, really? What's the next What's the next version of ourselves? Because we are always changing, aren't we? we? We aren't always, you know, if you look backwards and then look forwards, we're not the same person at every stage of our lives we are hope hope well we are evolving but hopefully we're evolving into something that is more truly us and it's part of that growth mindset isn't it to to always be aspiring and growing and developing and changing but i suppose if there was a a final message it would probably be about um you know be have the courage to be real and um i i run a real leadership program and the r is about being responsive not Mm -hmm reactive you know responsive to the ever-changing environment to be prepared to change and not say this is how things always have been and the e is for emotional intelligence which Mm -hmm. is about you know having awareness for our own feelings and those of others and also being able to manage and communicate those effectively the a is authenticity so that speaks for itself Um, be true be vulnerable and the the l is about leading yourself so that you leave a legacy. Ah. So that would be my final message. Get real in this oh, unreal world. Yes. Well, I think it's a message, Deborah, that everybody needs to hear right now. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And if people want to find you, um, what are your contact details? Where can they find more about you and more about your programs? Well, they can have a look at my website, which is henley dot com mm-hmm. and um i'm on linkedin deborah henley i'm on instagram at deborah henley and generally deborah henley <laughs> it's probably <laughs> the easiest way to find me 
So, Deborah Henley, thank you <laughs> so much for your time. Uh, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I'm inspired by it, and I'm sure everybody else will be too. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jane, for having me. It's been lovely to talk to you about all of this. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please do subscribe to the Barefoot Mediator podcast series and If you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change, challenge and crisis and download a PDF copy of my book, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, please go to janegunn.co.uk slash video. The link is in the show notes.